Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Good, good, good. Happy Resurrection Day to you guys. Uh, I'm excited that you're here. Very thankful. Um, can we just give a hand for our worship team real quick? Thank you for leading us in worship. That was awesome. Well, my name's Buck. Uh, I serve as the lead pastor here uh, at Connection Church Dublin. Uh, I'm very humbled, honored, and thankful that God's called me to do that. Uh, if it's your first time here, and I saw many of you um, coming in, man, I just want to say a special welcome to you. We are super honored that you would come and uh, come to church with us on Easter. It's such a, uh, a momentous day in our faith, and it means so much. So it means so much to us uh, that you're here. And so we just want to say welcome and uh, just tell you that, that we're thankful. Um, one thing I feel burdened to share is this, is uh, uh, every week I, I try and share the mission of our church, and our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And so uh, what I want to share with you today is um, maybe for many of you, it's your first time in church in a long time. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's your first time at church. Uh, I know we come in with uh, all different uh, phases of life, and, and uh, man, I just want to encourage you, whatever you walked in here with, man, we just want you to know that we are fired up that you're here. One of the things that uh, we're committed to is we believe that uh, we don't clean up our lives to get to God, but rather God specializes in meeting us where we are. So therefore, uh, we are a come-as-you-are group of people, and so we want you to know, man, we want you to be comfortable here, and I hope you've enjoyed our worship service so far. Okay, cool? If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 28. We'll start in verse 1. We'll be in Matthew chapter 28, uh, starting in verse 1. And so today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the resurrection and what the resurrection means uh, to us, right? And so uh, we're going to talk about that. And I want to talk about three people uh, that met Jesus, okay? And three people uh, that Jesus uh, encountered in his life and how these three people, an encounter with Jesus, changed everything, right? And so uh, today we celebrate the resurrection, and the resurrection has huge implications for us. Right? Uh, for the resurrection, and the resurrection is true, uh, it has huge implications for each of us. And so I want to walk through a little bit of that and share uh, what the resurrection means for us. So let's start in Matthew chapter 8, uh, chapter 28. We'll start in verse 1. It says, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was, light, was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples... He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. Let's pray together. Our God, we love you. Lord, I, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for what today means. God, thank you uh, for the resurrection. God, because of the resurrection, we have hope. Uh, we have hope that this life is not the end, but rather, God, uh, this hope is just a vapor, a mist. And God, we can look forward uh, to a relationship with you and spend an eternity with you. God, I, I'm thankful for that. Lord, I'm a sinner from the word go. God, I have faults and uh, things that, Lord, I know I mess up. And God, I need you. And so, God, 
uh, I just pray over each and every heart in this room. God, I pray uh, that your Holy Spirit would just come and dwell with us. God, that you would open up our hearts to hear the word. God, no matter uh, where we come from, um, God, what we've come from and what we've walked in here with. God, I pray you would just give us uh, the ability to zone in and, God, and hear from you. God, I pray that this message, uh, God, would just be nothing about me, God, that I would just fade into the background and your word would go forth and accomplish what it wants to. And God, I, I, I ask you just to do that now. Lord, we love you. We praise you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we just read seven verses, right? And so uh, the two Marys are sprinting, okay, to the tomb to go see Jesus, right? And then something crazy happens, right? The stone is moved away, and an angel says, listen, y'all, I know y'all looking for Jesus, but he ain't here. He has risen, right? He ain't here. He has risen. And so what I want to talk about a little bit today is because he has risen, that has huge implications for our life, right? And just to be honest, if we think about the resurrection, uh, to tell the story that a person came to this earth, with flesh and blood and, and breath, everything just like us, lived a life, right, died, and on three days he was supernaturally raised from the dead. Um, that raises some questions. Wouldn't you guys agree? I think we all at some point in our life have had to wrestle with the reality of, do I really believe that the resurrection is true, right? And so I want to talk a little bit about that today and talk about what the resurrection does for us. First thing is this, the resurrection proved Jesus is who he says he is, right? The resurrection proved that Jesus is who he says he is. So Jesus made two claims. One, he claimed to be the son of God, right? Like the God, the creator of the universe, the one who put the sun, the moon, the stars uh, in their order, the one who gives us breath right now as we sit in here. Jesus made the claim that he was the son of God. And he also made the second claim that he was the Messiah, and what Messiah means is uh, the promised deliverer or the Savior, the Savior of the people, right? And so I don't know uh, if you're familiar or not, but man, I, I don't know of many people uh, that went and died, stayed dead three days, and then rose from the dead, right? There's only been one account of one person who's been able to raise themselves from the dead, and that is Jesus. And so uh, one of the things that the resurrection does for us is it proves that Jesus is the Son of God. Right? The second thing the resurrection does for us is this. The resurrection means that Scripture is true. So I want to share with you, man, um, maybe some of you are familiar with the Bible. Maybe some of you have just heard uh, that it's kind of a good book or, man, I would do, live a better life if I, if I read it. Or um, Maybe you come in here with all different types of uh, feelings about the Bible. But what I want you to know that Scripture does is it validates these words, right? Second Peter, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all Scripture is God-breathed, right? So the best way to look at Scripture is not to just see letters on a page, but it's a, a letter from God to us, that it's God-breathed, that it has power. Now, one of the things uh, God was so gracious to do to us in Scripture is to give us something called prophecy, all right, uh, turn with me while I'm talking about that. Turn with me to Psalm 16, 9 and 10. We'll be in Psalm 16, 9 and 10. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. We'll be in Psalm 16, 9 and 10. And I just want to share with you guys, I've been at places in my life where I've had doubts, okay? We can just be honest, and we can just go ahead and let our guards down. Uh, you don't have to have it all together to be here. 
But I think we've all been at a place in our life where we've had doubts about Jesus, right? Because the implications of Christ being who he says he is, uh, it changes everything. It means we live new life. It means our desires are different. It means that uh, he becomes first in our life. If we're going to believe in Christ, it has radical implications, okay? But one of the things God did for me is he showed me all the prophecies about Jesus. And what prophecies are, are they're tellings of the future, right? And so uh, through all of the Old Testament, uh, what we see is Scripture is littered with these prophecies about a coming Savior, a Messiah, someone that's going to come and save the world, someone that's going to come. And these things are written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus shows up. Um, many of them about 400 years before he shows up. And then what Jesus does is he shows up and fulfills every one of them perfectly. The Messiah shows up and he fulfills prophecy perfectly. And this is one of my favorites as we celebrate the resurrection. Let's look at um, uh, King David prophesying about Jesus, starting in verse 9, chapter 16. It says this. It says, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. And then listen to this. Nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Who's he talking about right there? Like, that's weird. He says, I know you're not going to abandon me to the realm of the dead. And then he says, you're not going to let your faithful one see decay. Who could he be talking about? Y'all, I'm here to testify that he's talking about Jesus. Hundreds of years before Jesus shows up. And he's talking about the resurrection. You're not going to let your faithful one see decay, but rather you're going to resurrect his life. And today we celebrate that resurrection, that Jesus comes to fulfill the prophecies about himself. And because he fulfilled the prophecies, it means that Scripture's true. And y'all, here's the deal. Without the power of Scripture, I stand up here and I'm a motivational speaker at best. But I want to tell you uh, that the power of God is in the Word of God. And the Word of God uh, goes forth and, man, it accomplishes what it sets out to do. And we can trust it because of the resurrection, right? What else does the resurrection do? Resurrection gives us power for Christian living. The resurrection gives us power for Christian living. So I want you guys to think about this. Some of you may have come in here today, and man, you're, you're kind of maybe on up in years, or maybe you're not, but maybe you've kind of gotten to a groove of life where you finally have gotten to the place like, man, I kind of just am who I am. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you've... You've kind of got your nine to five every day. You've got kind of your weeks planned out. You kind of got your interests on the weekend. And uh, man, if you don't know Jesus, maybe you're just set in that. That I've, I've come to the place where I just am who I am. That I could never see myself uh, coming to know Christ. I could never see myself following Christ or, or making a decision for Jesus. Well, what I want you to know is this, is that um, you have no way to follow Christ in and of your own strength. There's no ability to clean yourselves up, to be ready to follow God, that, man, I'm finally done with all this stuff. Um, I'm going to clean my body up. No, here's the truth of the matter. Um, Jesus Christ himself, when we place our faith in Christ, he gives us the power through the Holy Spirit to live resurrected lives. That it's nothing in and of ourselves, but it's everything that he has done for us. That he gives us the power because of the resurrection. He gives us that same resurrection power that lives in us. Right? And that's called the Holy Spirit. And he gives us the Holy Spirit upon conversion. And what happens is that power begins to change inside of us. 
right? And it grows and it manifests and it begins to work outside of us, right? So we say it much like this around here. We don't clean you up on the outside or you don't clean up on the outside, but Jesus begins to work on the inside and he gives us power on the inside to live a godly life. Amen? Make sense? Good deal. The resurrection also does this. The resurrection assures us of our future resurrection. The resurrection assures us of our future resurrection. Now, I want to share some good news with you. You go ahead and tune in for a second, okay? Um, maybe today you've come in and life is not what you think it should be. Maybe life has been difficult. Maybe you're walking through illness or sickness. Uh, maybe uh, life's just been downright hard. Well, I want to share good news with you. Uh, because of the resurrection, we don't have to hope in this world. We don't have to hope for everything to go right in this world. See, what Jesus promises us is in the same way he resurrected from the dead. One day, if we have faith in Christ, we ourselves will be resurrected. That we'll receive new bodies. You know, Brittany gave the invitation to heart and soul. I share this every heart and soul. I just believe in my heart. I'm going to be six feet tall in heaven. I just believe it. I just do. Right? My new body's going to be tall. I just know it. But the truth of the matter is, we all will receive resurrected bodies, those that have faith in Christ. Now, how good is it that we don't have to place all of our hope on this world? This world is broken. This world comes with difficulty, sin, shame. And I don't know if you guys know it or not, man, but maybe we're blessed with 70, 80, 90, 100 years, and then that's it. This thing's over. The Bible talks about life like it's a mist, like it's a vapor, like it's here today and gone tomorrow. And I want to encourage you, man, if you're placing all your marbles in this life, it will run up. There will be a day that this life's over. And so Jesus wants to give us hope. One of my favorite songs I was looking and trying to find something to talk about with this idea of resurrection. Check this out. It says, death, where is your sting? Right? Grave, where is your victory? He's alive, he's alive, he is risen. Behold the vacant tomb that held our Lord. That grave became the stage for heaven's glory. And beyond the risen king is open in open skies. He is the resurrection, he is the life. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? He's alive, he's alive, he is risen. Brother and sister, if you know Christ as Lord and Savior, that is your song. Death has no hold on us. Oh, death, where is your sting? There is none. That in fact, we look forward to when this life's over, we can see God face to face and we can be in perfect relationship with our Father, which is what we are created to know and do, is to worship our God. It's going to be a good day. And because of the resurrection, we have hope. The last thing about the resurrection, before we look at three profiles uh, of people that met Jesus, um, because of the resurrection, we can receive new life. Here's the deal, man. Uh, this is what I love about Jesus. Is Jesus uh, doesn't just ask us to, to clean up. Right? Uh, we've already talked about that we have no way to get right before God in our own strength, and our own power. We have no way to clean ourselves up enough to be made right before God. No, Jesus starts something brand new in us. That we receive new life in Christ. That he does something brand new. The Bible says that uh, we become a new creation, that something different happens on the inside. That we're something new, that we're not what we once were, but rather 
we become something new. One of the things we're celebrating today, man, and we love doing it on Easter, is we celebrate baptism. And what baptism is, is it's an outward expression of an inward new life. And what we're saying is, man, I, I was dead in my sin, and my old life is going down, buried in the water. I'm buried with Christ, and I'm raised to walk in a new way of life. Something brand new is starting. So what I want to encourage you with today is, man, brand new life is available to us all. That Jesus can begin a work right now. He can begin a work in your life that's brand new. I have seen over and over and over again, Jesus can meet the hardest hearts, ones that are too far gone. And man, I, I know I, I could keep on preaching, but let's look at these profiles right here. Turn with me to John chapter 3, 1 through 7. So because we can receive new life, let's look at three profiles. Okay? So... So one of my favorite shows, man, I got into this show uh, a while back. But anybody ever watched Criminal Minds before? Um, I know it could possibly be sinful to talk about Criminal Minds on Easter, but uh, you guys forgive me, all right? But Criminal Minds, do we have no one, no reference? No. Okay, there we are, hands everywhere. Yes, great, great uh, example. So in Criminal Minds, um, what they do is they're a team of profilers. And what they do is they create a profile uh, on these serial killers to help catch them, right? And so what I want to do today in talking about profiles is I want to share three profiles of people in the Bible that met Jesus. And I really feel like all of us can relate with one of these profiles, right? That we can relate with these people and what happened when they met Jesus. So let's go ahead and read John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is what it says. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if it were not, if God were not with him. Uh, let me stop right there and just share a couple things context-wise. Um, one, by him saying a, he was a Pharisee and he was a member of the Jewish ruling council, understand, he was the elite of the elite religiously. He was a religious leader. One of the people you would look at in a community and say, man, that is a, a godly dude. That person uh, knows his stuff. He knows the Bible. Okay, So he's a top-notch religious leader, top of the food chain when it comes to knowing the Bible. All right? And the second thing is this. Notice he comes to Jesus at night. Now, why would you come to see someone at night, especially in this time period? Uh, he doesn't quite want to people to know that he's coming to Jesus. See, what happened, a lot of these religious leaders didn't know what to think about Jesus. They didn't know uh, these claims that he made, if they were true, or how it kind of lined up with what they knew. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, in the quiet of the night, and understand he's a religious leader. Let's pick up in verse 3. Jesus replied, I love how Jesus cuts to the chase right here. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. I love how real the Bible is. That's just weird, isn't it? It's just weird. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. All right. So let's talk for a second here. Um, one of the things you learn uh, about Jesus is Jesus knows everything. He knows our heart completely. He knows everything about us. 
Understand, everything you've ever done in your life is not new to Jesus. He's what we call omniscient. It means he's all-knowing. He knows your deepest weaknesses. He knows your flaws. He knows what you struggle with. He knows your worries, your anxieties. He knows. So Jesus looks right at the heart of the matter. But he's going to someone that on the outside looks cleaned up. Someone that, that looks cleaned up and good enough for God. And Jesus immediately knows the issue. He says, man, he doesn't give him any time to respond. In verse 3, he says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. He's talking about Nicodemus's heart. Okay? And what we learn about Nicodemus is this, is that we can um, have profound, deep hunger for religion, but profound spiritual blindness. Hear that again. We can have a hunger for religion, and yet profound spiritual blindness. That he couldn't see it. He couldn't see that Jesus didn't come to ask us to be around him. Okay? You, you can know the Bible front to backwards, but without new life, we will not see the kingdom of God. Uh, let's read verse 3 again. It says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. That's that new life I was talking about. That Jesus says, man, you don't need to know more about the scriptures. You need to know more about me. You need to come to know me. And so we're much the same way, is that I, I think many of us um, living in the South, we have somewhat of a church background or a religious background. Most of us would agree, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I guarantee you if I start, uh, start spitting out the B-I-B-L-E, you know, the Bible stories, the Bible school stories, right? Then most of you could quote it and we could do that. But what I want to share with you, man, is if you really want to uh, press on people and kind of learn some things, uh, begin to ask people, uh, if they know Jesus. Because that takes things to a whole new level. Kind of like Jesus calling out Nicodemus and he just said, hey, you need to be born again. And so ask someone if they know Jesus and this is most of the time what you'll get. Well, I go to church at blank or I go to church sometimes or I'm kind of around it. I grew up in Sunday school. Um, sometimes you'll hear this, my mom and dad raised me in church. They raised me for church. And so you kind of get this sideways, close to Jesus answer. Uh, maybe some of them is this. Uh, I prayed a prayer when I was six. I, got, uh, I, I prayed a prayer at, at, at vacation Bible school. And so we have these answers uh, like um, Nicodemus that, that are religious. Like they, they're kind of around Jesus. But what you learn about Nicodemus is it can be, uh, you can be profoundly close to Jesus, yet miss Jesus altogether. So we see... That Jesus isn't calling us to be religious. In fact, the first thing I, I wanted you to take from this is religion doesn't cut it. Religion doesn't cut it. That it's not about being close to Jesus or coming to church sometimes or, or maybe even having good church attendance. That it's much more than that. It's about knowing Jesus personally. Uh, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if... Anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old is gone, the new is here. So we're not asking for, Jesus is not asking for cleaned up lives. No, no, uh, much different than that. He's asking for new life. Right? We don't just do better. We don't just become, some, we don't just do better. We don't just become cleaned up or uh, become more churchy or start wearing khakis on Sundays and showing up. No, it's much deeper than that, right? That we become something brand new. 
We allow the Spirit of God to start something new in our life, something that's brand new, something that's real, something that's tangible, something that is a relationship with Jesus, not knowing about Jesus, but knowing Jesus. And so I wanted to give you guys an example of what that looks like. You're looking at the example uh, of someone that was caught up in religion. Before Christ became personal in my life, man, people, uh, just being honest, man, when I was 16, 17, and 18, I was a I, I was a, a, a what we call a good old boy. I'm going to talk about it in just a minute. I was uh, religious. I was around Jesus. In fact, I did some good things. But it wasn't until years later that Jesus got a hold of my life and my relationship with God became personal. See, I grew up around church. I only got ISS one time. That has to mean you're saved, right? I, only, I, may, I got paddled one time, had my cell phone out. I was furious about that. I'm like, why are you paddling me, man? Surely that means I was saved, right? But the truth of the matter is, uh, I wasn't. I was far from God. See, I'd never um, come to faith in Jesus personally. And see, he transformed my life and saved me from a life of religion to a life of relationship. Where I can know him. I can know him personally, on a personal level, and walk out a relationship with him. So because of the resurrection, Jesus can save us from religion. So with this profile, as we profiled this religious person, do you, do you um, I guess, relate with the religious? Is this a person you can relate with, or someone that maybe has been around but hasn't come to faith, hasn't come two feet in with Christ yet? Look with me, Mark chapter 10, 17 through 23. Look at me, Mark chapter 10. We're going to stay in the Gospels, Mark chapter 10. Seventeen through through twenty three. The second profile. That's what I want you to know. Jesus isn't looking for good people. I want you to hear that again. Jesus isn't looking for good people. He's not looking for good people. We'll talk about what that looks like here, starting. In chapter 10, verse 17, it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, because so you can see this guy, giddy, giddy to run up to Jesus and, and kind of find out this information from Jesus. So he rushes up to Jesus, falls down, is like, hey, hey, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And you can kind of get a sense of, um, he, he feels like he's got it. Like he's going to get the answer of, hey, you're, you're good to go. You're good to go. Let's read how Jesus handles this. It says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's a huge phrase right there. Understand, when Jesus brings out hard truth, he does it in love. That Jesus himself loves you. He loves you more than you could ever know. In fact, he loved you so much. He loves you so much. On this day, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, he hung on a cross, endured sin, shame, in the grave, endured the payment for our sin for you. That he had the authority to give life and take it away. He could have got down any time, but rather he stayed on the cross for us. He loved us. So he says this. He says, Jesus loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. 
At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? So remember, Jesus is not looking for good people. Don't take this text and say, Oh, I have to sell everything I've got to follow Jesus. That's far, far from what Jesus is communicating here. What he's communicating is that uh, Jesus doesn't want our good works. Jesus wants our heart. In fact, I would say it like this. Jesus isn't looking for good people. Christ is looking for surrendered people. Hear that again. Christ is not looking for good people. Christ is looking for surrendered people. People that come to the place where we realize, um, Jesus, look, 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 here's what I've done. Here's what I've done. Surely I merit eternal life. Jesus isn't looking for our good works. Jesus is looking for men and women that have come to the place of, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I've missed it. Lord, I need you. In a place of surrender. It's just the opposite. I kind of look at it like this. It's a lot of times um, I've dealt with people that kind of deal with um, having a hardened heart, a heart that um, has just never been open to the gospel. And uh, that hardened heart stays uh, like a fist. It stays hard. And what happens, man, when Jesus uh, begins to speak to our hearts through the power of the gospel, um, that, that gospel begins to melt that hardened heart. And that hard heart is no longer, Jesus, I'm close to you, but rather, uh, Jesus, man, I, I realize I'm a sinner. That I've been hardened. What happens is that gospel, the good news of Jesus, begins to melt that heart of stone. And we become open-handed and say, Jesus, I need you. Not, Jesus, look what I've done. Jesus, I need you. Not, Jesus, look what I've done. Many of us believe there's a set of scales. That God is going to add up our good versus our bad. And maybe if we weighed in enough good and and, uh, maybe not enough bad, that maybe we'll show up and things are just going to go well. Well, what I want to tell you is that's an imaginary set of scales. I want you to look to your right and to your left for just a moment. What you're going to see is a sinner and a sinner. That's one thing we all have in common here. Even though we got our pretty Sunday attire on, man, our pretty Easter attire, man, up underneath that is a wicked heart. That's something we all have. We're all prone to sin and shame. We're all prone to hurt the heart of, God, heart of God. And God knew that. And because God knew that, man, he sent Jesus to die on our behalf. That if we place our faith in Jesus, he's faithful to cover our sins. To pay the penalty for it. But the rich young ruler didn't want to surrender every area of his life to Christ. But rather he said, man, I'm just going to hold on to what I got. That, man, I, Jesus, you're not worthy of having every area of my life. Jesus, you're not worthy of me to surrender my life to you. But understand this. Just like he said, Jesus loved him. Jesus loves us and desires every area of our life. Well, maybe some of you, that's a, a hard truth to hear. If You're like, man, you can kind of have some parts, but some of this stuff, um, I just believe I can run my life better. I, I want to share with you how crazy that really is. If, if any of you have, does anybody have any Apple products in here? I mean, I'm hoping most of you, right? This is 2019. Some of us have Apple products. Um, if your Apple product breaks, doesn't it make the most sense if you have access uh, to Steve Jobs, right? The person that created all these Apple products, wouldn't it make the most sense that he knows how they function best, right? It just makes good sense. Well, here's the deal with your life. Understand that God, uh, your, the Bible says that while you're in your mother's womb, uh, he knitted and put us together. Therefore, he knows how we operate best. He knows how we function. He knows what's best for us. Therefore, the Bible and the, the ways of God and a relationship with Jesus is not a burden, but rather it's a blessing because um, he knows what's best for us. He knows how we function. He knows what we were created for, right? 
Um, I, I say it like this, a lot of times before we come to know Christ, it's like we have a void in our life, this big God-shaped hole where we're looking for something to fill it. We're looking for things to fill it, but rather we keep coming up empty because that God-sized hole was only meant to be fit with Jesus in a relationship with God. We were created to worship God and to be in relationship with Him. So God doesn't want a good old boy. He wants your heart. God doesn't want a good old boy. He wants your heart. So maybe today you relate with that profile. Maybe today that's kind of you as, man, I'm, I'm kind of a, I think I'm more good than bad. But, you know, I'm hoping that my, my good works will get me there. And, man, I just want to encourage you is that Jesus isn't looking for how good you are. He's looking for how surrendered you want to be to him. Turn with me. John chapter 4, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. John chapter 4. We'll start in verse 4. John chapter 4. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I want to talk about. The third profile I want to share with you. No one is too far gone. No one is too far gone. I want to share this story with you and talk a little bit about um, what Jesus does to the person that feels like they're too far gone or by the world's standards too far gone. We're going to read a little bit of scripture here starting in verse 4. It says, Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When, the Samaritan woman, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. What I want to share with you this is almost think about um, racially, like Jews did not talk with Samaritans. Samaritans were a step down. They were a step lower than Jews. In fact, many Jews would walk around Samaria so they wouldn't have to deal with Samaritans. And so Jesus walks right to this well in Samaria, Samaria, <coughs> Samaria to meet this woman. Now verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have, five, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but Jews claim that, that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and, the worship, and, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. So real quick, uh, I want you to understand the context of this message to, to really get what Jesus is doing here. And what I want to reiterate here is no one is too far gone. And in this context, understand that this lady, by all measures, is too far gone. She hasn't had one husband. She hasn't had two. She hasn't had three. She hasn't had four. Jesus says she's had five husbands. Remember, uh, he knows all things. And understand that in this context, man, she is the lowest of low, even for Samaritans. In fact, she goes to the water at noon because she wants to go when no one else will be there. She's ashamed. She's dejected. The whole town knows her sin. Imagine everyone knowing everything, the worst parts about you. Being dejected. The worst of the worst, the least of the least. Everyone knowing that, that you're, just, you're, you're in your sin. The person that should be disqualified from God. The one that... Now, there's no way. No way he could save her. She's too far gone. Caught in her sin. And yet she shares with Jesus, Jesus, I want to know this living water. Lord, I, I know that there's this Messiah. Right? And so there's no one that's too far gone. Maybe some of you feel that way today. That you feel disqualified from God. That you feel like you've done so much, there's no way he could meet you. That maybe... Uh, everyone in my life knows what I am, and there's no way I could be anything different. That I, I just am what I am, and I'm a sinner, and I'm too far from God. God can't meet me where I am. God can't do anything transformative in my life. What I want to encourage you is this. Jesus specializes in meeting people exactly where they are. Jesus specializes in meeting sinners where they are. And understand that we all have been in that place, that we've all come to the place where we realize Man, our, our sin is great. And what I want to encourage you with is this. Jesus meets us right where we are, and he can turn our mess into a great message. Look at verse number 39 of John chapter 4. So we see this woman too far gone, too far from God, can't be reached. God can't do anything with their life. Listen to what she does. It says, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. <clears throat> he told me everything I ever did. So the Samaritans, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. Because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Understand a woman way too far from God, a, a woman separated because of her sin, was used greatly by God to reach an entire town because of her faith in Christ. That Jesus met her where she was and used her mess and turned it into a message. That surely when she shared, surely, surely this isn't the Savior of the world. And the woman says, man, this Savior, I got to tell you what he did. He called me out. He knew everything about me, right? And he still invited me. He still invited me for living water. And what I want to tell you, brother and sister, no matter where you are, what you've done, who you've done it with, Jesus still offers that living water today. That it's available to all that would come to know him. There's no 10-step process. 
There's no secret prayer. There's no perfect prayer. Uh, there's none, none of that. Jesus says that all that would come to faith in him, if we would confess in our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we would believe in our heart, Jesus says we will be saved. And that available is made for all of us today. And what better day, man, than Resurrection Sunday than for someone to begin their spiritual life. So something I want to encourage you with um, as we get ready to close and the band gets ready to come back up. Um, I, I want to encourage you guys, man. So long, when God was dealing with my heart, it was always the fear of, it was always the fear of, what are people going to think? Or, is this not crazy? Am I really doing this? It was always this grip and fear of, not, uh, I'm not going to respond. What will people think? There's this fear of, well, what do I do now? Well, what I want to tell you, man, is here's the deal at our church. We specialize in wanting to meet you where you are and walk with you. That it's not something we're afraid of or won't fear for you, but it's something we celebrate here. Because all of us at one time were far from God, and all of us, if we've come to faith in Christ, met Jesus, and he met us exactly where we were. We didn't clean up to get to him. Yet Jesus met us exactly where we are. So because of the resurrection, Jesus can save us from our sin. And so today, man, I just want to encourage you. I'm going to give an invitation in just a moment. And uh, if you feel like God's been working on your heart, maybe this whole message, you feel like it's been speaking right to you. You don't know why, you don't know how, you can't really explain it. What I want to tell you is that same Holy Spirit that I told you about, the Spirit of God's working on your heart. And he wants to change your heart. And he wants to meet you where you are. So the Bible says that if we would confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, Jesus is faithful to save us. And we're going to give you that opportunity here in just a moment. Love you guys. Thank you. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. God, thank you for the message of the gospel. Thank you that you hung on the cross for us. God, as we look at the three profiles, God, I know that there's people in here that can relate, that know they're in one of those three places. And Jesus wants to meet us exactly where we are. He wants to do a saving work in our life. So God, if there's anyone here that feels like Jesus is working on their heart and they would like to come to know Christ and be in a saving relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to ask you, would you lift your hand? Is that anybody here today? I'll give you guys just a minute. Amen. Amen. Ice is broken. Is there anyone else? pray. Our God, thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, thank you for the saving work that is the gospel. God, so much to celebrate today. Lord, I just thank you for the message. God, I pray that it spoke to all of us. God, that uh, you would just continue the work you're doing in this place. And God, I, I know there's many more people um, God, that are wrestling what to do with you. And God, I pray that today you would just give them faith and boldness to just surrender, to come to you and to walk this thing out. And, uh, Lord, they might not even know what that looks like yet, but just give them faith to continue to take next steps. God, I'm thankful for the gospel, thankful for the good news. And, uh, God, I pray that uh, you would just continue doing your work in this service, God. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.